When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, right now, kind of feel like we're down to three two-game seasons. Uh, we got two more games here before a bye week. Got to do the best we can, then we'll rest and recover, and we got two. Then we get another bye week and rest and recover, and we finish with two. Um, still got opportunity to do pretty special things this year, but we got some really good opponents starting with this one. Um, so we got to go compete, and then... The guys don't have to be told the, the opportunity that's there for them. Yeah, it's what you. It's literally what you live for. Like you can't draw it up any better. Uh, they got a piece of us last time. I wasn't there. I was injured, but watch the game. Still have a sour taste in our mouth. So we're playing for respect. We're playing to represent Nebraska. Uh, we're playing to win. I've had few night games here in my career. I've played a lot of games. That was a special environment right there. And I remember telling someone on the sideline, he's like, why do you think there's so many people here still? And I was like, well, one, there's like a pride thing. There's a lot of people still in the stands. Two, I know there's going to be a great light show. Fourth quarter. It was awesome. And welcome here to this week's edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead as Nebraska coming off their 56-7 win over Northwestern. Now with top 10 ranked Michigan coming into town, another night game. Nebraska on ABC for the first time since 2019. It won't be the Herb Street Fowler crew. It's uh, Sean McDonough on the call, but uh, big stage for Nebraska football, back-to-back weeks at night. This place is going to be rocking, Robin, and we saw it again um, against Northwestern, and I think you almost forgot what type of advantage Memorial Stadium can create, and I expect this week to be a, even at a different level. And it certainly helped that Nebraska started the way they did and got everybody rolling right out of the gates for very first play, you know, 70-yard pass. So, uh, you know, that that got the juices going even more. But even going into that game, there, there was a buzz that we haven't felt in that stadium for a long time. And the craziest thing is, is, is that happened for a team that, that went in you know, at, at two and three, and it just lost two straight games, and you were wondering just how they were going to respond. So credit to the fans for bringing that type of juice, and then credit for the players for capitalizing on it and making for a, a really special night. When you talk about the the mantra of Scott Frost, no fear of failure, I think this week they went to that. You, you think about all the things he did. Number one, the first play of the game. I mean, that was a huge roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. Northwestern plays – a bend but don't break, deep quarters defense. It's very hard to throw over the top of them, the way they scheme. And really, Martinez didn't throw over the top of them. He underthrew it, and, and Torrey got it. That's no fear, fear of failure. No fear of failure, number two, changing the offensive lineup. St. Teddy Prohaska and Nuri Nueli, you're coming in. We're moving Turner Corcoran to the right side. That worked out beautifully. And I, I honestly, in my time covering Nebraska football, I don't ever remember – a shakeup like that in the middle of the season on the offensive line. Yeah, with three starters. I mean, you've seen guys get benched and, and what One guy, maybe. Yeah, but never that much over the course of one week, especially when it comes to starting a true freshman in his first ever start at left tackle. I mean, that, that's a big time, and that was a big time risk that 
it paid off. And I think that the staff kind of realized that now was the time to stop worrying about all the bad things could happen and start, you know, looking at the, the pros of some of these moves where not only the shakeups of the offensive line, but getting Jacquez Yant more involved. Yeah, that's my next thing. No yeah. fear of failure. Number three, saying we're playing Jacquez Yant. We know what he can do. We know his story. We're putting him in there, and, and that worked out. And then my other no fear of failure, Oliver Martin. He comes in, fields every punt. Now, granted, he could have returned some, but there was one that was underpunted by like 20 yards, and he ran in there and caught that in traffic. Yeah, in a lot of traffic. And, you know, that just wasn't something – there was more of a fear of failure in that moment in games past. To salvage the field position, he fielded the punt. So this team played with the mantra, no fear of failure, and it worked. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, it starting at the top. When your coaches kind of show that faith in guys, uh, more often than not – players are going to respond the right way. And so those linemen responded the right way. You know, they, uh, Greg Austin made the comment like with uh, Nuri where, you know, he'd had his highs or his good days and bad days, but when he found out that he was going to be the starter, like it lit a spark in him and he had a great week of practice and the same thing with Teddy. Uh, and I think that it also helped that the guys that got moved around or removed from the starting lineup, you know, didn't, become toxic about it you know they they maintained uh team player roles and, and were supportive and just you know we're, we're putting the team ahead of their own interest and i think that's the kind of culture that is slowly starting to develop here where you can start to take chances like that and you don't have to worry about all the other negative side effects that could potentially come with shaking things up the way they did and it's hard when you think about this season robin it's hard not to think about what could have been i mean because honestly nebraska very easily could be three and oh right now in the big 10 yep. and you're you're realistically talking about this team winning the West or having a chance to win the West. And they're not out of the West yet. I mean, they're going to have to beat some really, really good teams. But if they play like the way they did on Saturday night, this is a team that's going to go to a bowl game, period. Yeah, no question. I mean, especially uh, with some of the changes we've seen uh, within the rest of the conference where Wisconsin no longer seems like the daunting Wisconsin that we've come to know over the past few years. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that there's there's games that if Nebraska plays at that level, you're going to give them uh, a much better chance than maybe you did when you first looked at the back end of that of that schedule, which when it first came out, it looked like a murderer's row. So uh, really all it comes down to, though, is is what Nebraska does. If they play like that and execute that well, not only with just the, the, the production they got, but how clean they played. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't commit penalties. They didn't have those costly shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moments that have lost them game after game over the last three years. And no coincidence, they played one of their best games, if not their best overall game from top to bottom across the board of the Scott Frost era. I just think being at home really settles the nerves, too. You've got the crowd. It's just easier to communicate. It's easier to kind of lift you up. And this has been a unique schedule. You opened with a road game. You played three of your first five on the road. And now it's home cooking. I mean, as you heard Scott Frost in the open, it's basically three two-game seasons. Two games by, two games by, two games. How do you get through each of these two-game seasons? I mean, that is really going to write the tale of this fourth year of Scott Frost. Absolutely. And you know, just continuing with the rest of this month of October is the real critical stretch for me. I mean, that is going to determine how realistic of a scenario it is that, that they'll be playing for a potential bowl spot uh, over those final two games. Uh, I mean, they've got games that you know, they're going to have a chance. Um, Michigan, as good as they are, 
there's a reason that's a less than a touchdown point spread against a top 10 team uh, because I think people realize that Nebraska, if, if they play to their full potential, has has the ability to match up well. So uh, it's just a matter of them doing their business, staying out of their own way, and then good things are probably going to happen. All right, we're going to get you ready here for this game on Saturday night. It's a 6.30 kick on ABC. Uh, we're going to talk offensive and defensive storylines. We're also going to um, talk to some folks from Ireland that were in town this week as we're promoting uh, the Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland in August of 2022 as we'll be joined in studio by John Anthony, the owner and operator of Anthony Travel, and Dana Finch, who is the vice president of Tourism Ireland, uh, both in studio. Then Chris Ballas from the Wolverine Magazine and thewolverine.com will give us some thoughts on Michigan. That's all next here in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I thought they had a phenomenal team. I thought they were going to win the league after we went up there. They kicked our butt. We were outmanned uh, probably nearly every position. We didn't have much of a chance in that one. Uh, and they got another good team, I think very similar to that one. And we get an opportunity to test ourselves against a really good team. Yeah, well, I remember us getting smacked. You know, it was... Uh... A rough game for myself, rough game for the team. I know I only played a half of football. Uh, yeah, different teams. Uh, we're in a, a much different spot as a program, as, as a unit, um, both sides of the ball here. And, uh, yeah, we were physically outmatched. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, located at 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Uh, stopped in there Friday night um, after uh, dinner. Um, like these night games, Robin, you get a chance to go out and have a few beers, watch some of the Iowa-Maryland game last week. And place is buzzing. And, you know, when Nebraska wins, it's buzzing even more as you want to get into Tanner's uh, pregame, postgame, during the game. Tanner's at 30th and Yankee Hill Road road here in Lincoln is your spot to go but let's get into what they were talking about Scott Frost Adrian Martinez talking about that 2018 Nebraska game uh, against Michigan and that was really a low point Robin that was as Scott Frost referred to the bottom and we've seen this program obviously get a lot better but that was a dark day in the early portion of the Scott Frost era a humbling day where it just let you know how far Nebraska had to go yeah, I mean, it felt like Nebraska didn't even belong on the same field as Michigan in that game, just with the, the physical dominance in every sense Michigan had uh, from, from start to finish in that one. I mean, Nebraska's defense put up zero fight in stopping Michigan's running game. Uh, they couldn't protect and block at all. Adrian was running for his life, and he was coincidentally coming off uh, an injury where he wasn't even 100%, so it was like worst-case scenario. And that game was over before it started. And that was kind of, I think, the real glaring point for Frost and the staff that uh, of just how far they had to go to match up physically with the best of the best in the Big Ten. And that was something they weren't used to. I mean, they had never seen physicality like that, um, you know, going back to, to UCF and, and maybe even back to Oregon. And so that was a, a real hard lesson they had to learn. And um, to their credit, they did it they they changed their strength and conditioning about it they recruited a different caliber of athlete particularly on the offensive and defensive lines and slowly but surely they've been able to reshape this roster into a big 10 roster and so what the matchup was in 2018 compared to is now nebraska's big and physical too they're big and strong on the offensive line big and strong on the defensive front seven and so i think this will be kind of a, a clear example of just the the strides 
Nebraska's program has made in terms of adjusting to the Big Ten. Well, and a lot of those guys, if I remember right, uh, on that 2018 team, there were there were a lot of Brady Hoke recruits. I mean, that was I mean, yeah. as Jim Harbaugh has actually built his own rosters, <laughs> we're learning that they they weren't as good as some of the players that Brady Hoke left behind. But Harbaugh obviously had just the the persona and, and the edge, and he's really turned things around. I mean, you look at what he's done this year and. He changes staffs, makes coordinator moves more than most coaches do, but this year it appears to be really working out for him. Yeah, and you know they've kind of gone through it. I mean, just like Scott Frost has here, where you know the the bar was set so high for Harbaugh returning to his alma mater, and you know there's a lot of parallels there when you think about it. Um, you know that they've both had a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure, and for the most part had vastly underperformed. Uh, but it seems like. Harbaugh's finally kind of got something going there where they are about as bare bones as it gets, but they're extremely physical and they just make you earn everything you get on both sides of the ball. And that's, that's how you win the big 10. And I think they, they found that out. They recruited the right personnel to do that style of play. And now you see the product that they have this year. All right, Robin, we talked about uh, the offensive line changes, but I want to hit more on running back Jacques Giant. And just the way you ran the ball, it looked like Nebraska just picked up Derrick Henry off the streets and put a Husker uniform on him. And just that style. I mean, that I think Memorial Stadium, they feed off a back like that. Absolutely. I mean, just physical, hard work, contact. And, you know, if you're Northwestern last week, you're probably like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> he wasn't on our scouting sheet and he goes for 64 yards on us on his first carry. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, Husker Online members that were celebrating, I'm sure, to the fullest extent when Jacquez was uh, bulldozing his way through Northwestern's defense because people have been just clamoring for him to get a role, whether it be uh, as a fullback or even just a goal lineback, just, just to get him on the field because of the just the, the physical difference he has compared to every other running back in that room. I mean, he is he looks like a Big Ten running back, and you know Nebraska has a lot of other talents in that room but none of them have that level of physicality as Jacquez has and he showed it I mean his ability to gain yards after contact was an element this offense and this running game had drastically missed all season and he comes in and starts just powering through people breaking tackles stiff arming people to the ground and getting those extra yards that Nebraska wasn't getting and it changes the dynamic of their offense yeah I wish he had a name that the stadium could like kind of chant. And I'm trying to think of what they could do since it's Quez. They could go Q. And I mean, because I, I just envision every time he gets the ball, just a, a surge of energy of 86,000 people going Q. Yeah. Like if, you know, it could be like Jamar Toombs type thing. Toom, takes I, mean, I mean, they just need to get <laughs> something for this guy for the stadium because I just think it's the way that the way he runs, I mean, it just would every time. The place will go nuts. Yeah, and I mean, just <laughs> just just having that, I think it gives Nebraska the the brand of uh, you know physical identity they've been searching for. I mean, like they've just been trying to find that guy, and basically since the Zigbo, it's been a struggle. Uh, and now they, I mean, it's one game. We got to always preface this: it's one game. We don't want to uh, you know ordain him the you know the next like you said, Derrick Henry. But what he showed in that one opportunity gives you a lot of reasons to be excited about what his potential could be going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as, as we talk offensive storylines, and Oliver Martin was back. Um, you had Vokalek and Allen back. I mean, th- that was also the first time we've seen all the weapons together. Yeah, Betts and was back. It just changes the dynamics of this offense when you have 
you know, Nebraska right now leads the country and plays over 70 yards. They have three plays over 70 yards. Um, so Nebraska is a very big play offense, and you know I think it changes things when they when they can get those big plays. Well, I mean, it forces defenses to have to respect that, and over the last however many years, they have not had to respect that to where the the downfield passing threat was just not there, and so teams could load up the box, key in on Adrian Martinez, and basically make Nebraska have to dink nickel and dime until they made a mistake. So. That at least has taken some of the pressure off, uh, you know, the the entire offense is that t- if you if you overcommit to stopping the run or keying in on Adrian as a runner, he will beat you over the top because they have receivers that can beat your corners one on one, get downfield and and make plays. And you know, you mentioned the Samari Toure catch, uh, to how that changed the the tone of the game right off the jump. I mean, that was a, a player making a big play that ball was underthrown and it could have just as easily been intercepted but Samari went up and made the 50-50 ball play and that that I think is as big of a difference as anything when you have the horses that can do things like that it changes what you can do and the confidence you have in doing it all right when we come back we're going to talk defensive storylines next you're listening here to the Husker Online Show this is Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics I got a tackle game tackle, big boy tackle, go down and make a hit uh, the right way. You no know, getting kicked out the game, you know, for a crazy hit, this and there, but, you know, just playing good football, man, and leverage tackling, uh, playing with my teammates, not just, you know, trying to make a big hit here and there because, you know, those don't always work. Leverage tackle, use my teammates, you know, and we all rally to the football. Having success both sides of the ball early, um, that was that was a key, obviously, to kind of get off to a hot start. And, um, you know, seeing seeing the offense succeed, um, seeing your teammates succeed, that's all this work we put in together, everything we go through, um, you know, that's why we do it, is, is to have that success, and there's, there's no better feeling than that. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we get you ready here for Nebraska and Michigan. And the Wolverines, Robin, are undefeated, uh, led by running back Blake Corum. 521 rush yards, about 104 per game, 6.2 per carry, seven touchdowns. Then Hassan Haskins compliments him at 73.8 per game and six touchdowns. So their two backs are going for 175. 13 touchdowns over five games. They do a really, really nice job. You don't have to worry about Cade McNamara really being a running threat, and he's not really a strong-armed quarterback either. Uh, McNamara on the season has just 11 rushes uh, with a long of nine yards. So this is an easier game in some ways to scheme for. You don't have to worry about Noah Bedrill or some guy running around but you got to stop these physical running backs. Well, that it may seem easier, but Eric Shenander made it very clear that while Michigan does keep it relatively simple in terms of the types of plays they call, they do a whole bunch in terms of different formations, pre-snap motions, and, and all the different types of, of window dressing with different personnel packages to where they're running the same handful of plays, but they're doing so out of a variety of different looks. And uh, those looks change from week to week. So uh, the real pressure is going to be on, uh, you know, those linebackers, the middle linebackers uh, to be able to identify kind of uh, what what different sets and and packages look like and, um, you know, what they mean and communicate that to the rest of the defense. 
But then also, uh, Chinander said this is probably by far the most physical offense they have faced yet to date. You know, they saw some some physical running attacks with Michigan State and, um, you know, maybe, maybe even uh, Oklahoma to an extent. But this is a different kind of animal in terms of just the, the way that Michigan doesn't hide what they do. You know, they're going to run the ball right at you and force you to stop it. And they have as strong and, uh, you know, big of an offensive line as Nebraska's faced yet. And so it's going to be strength on strength where Nebraska's front seven and the heart of that defense is going to be going up against the strength of Michigan's offense in that O-line and run game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines for Nebraska. And, you know, I think Nebraska's third down defense has been outstanding. They've been getting off the field. They've been creating pressure. Garrett Nelson playing at a high level. JoJo Dolman, Big Ten Player of the Week. Damian Daniels playing at a high level. Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich. That front seven has really come to play the last few weeks. And I think if you're ranking kind of areas on this team, the front seven on defense has to be right towards the top. Yeah, and you know what uh, has really helped is the, the emergence of some guys, you know, particularly like uh, Garrett Nelson, uh, where he's playing the best football of his career, and it's not even close. And I think a lot of that just comes he's, – he's a guy that was thrown into the fire right away early, and he's grown up, uh, you know, both physically and mentally to where – um, you know, he's big and strong enough to, to do what he needs to do, especially in terms of setting the edge. But he's also uh, experienced enough that he's, he's not afraid to, to take some chances and make some plays. And so I think guys like that have really elevated this defense along with all the returnees and the, the known commodities they had up front. Um, but, you know, another guy that kind of is one of those known commodities that has been playing extremely good defense is JoJo Doman. And, you know, I, I asked Eric Shenander about that after Tuesday's practice and you know, what, what, what is he doing differently uh, now that he wasn't doing earlier? And a lot of it is just keeping it simple. You know, JoJo is a playmaker, and he goes out and just tries to, to make big plays, and, and that's kind of where he made his name. But I think the difference this year is plays in the scheme. he's keeping it simple, letting plays come to him. And Shanander said when you play really good team defense, it's amazing what you can do if you just play within your own assignment. And I think that's kind of clicked with JoJo this year is that he's not trying to – you know, win the game on every single play. And that's why he's having performances like he had against Northwestern, where, I mean, his stat line was unbelievable. He wins co-defensive player of the week. And he did it by just letting the game, you know, come to him. And I think that's a, a real sign of maturation that is really uh, reflected across the board on that defense. Well, I think we've even seen Cam Taylor Britt start to play like that too. I think early in the year he was trying to play hero ball and make the big play. And he started to play more within the scheme. And that matters. And I, I just think in general, that's the strength of this unit. Guys have played together three, if not four years on the field now, and, and it matters. When you have that continuity in this conference, you got to be on the same page. Absolutely. And, you know, we knew that was going to be uh, one of the strengths just because of the amount of experience and, and leadership that they had coming back on that side of the ball. And it's played out that way exactly, where you have a bunch of I mean, men, I mean, you know, mid twenties, you know, your old guys that have played a lot of football and a lot of football together. And when you have that type of experience and that much knowledge at every position, uh, you're going to get this type of play. And so, I mean, a real tip of the hat to this defense for really rising to the occasion and being the strength that they needed to be week in and week out. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we wrap it up here with Nebraska defense talk um, you know, I, I think turnovers too. Can, can they actually force that key turnover? It happened a week ago. We saw the first and goal on the one, and Nebraska ends up forcing a turnover on the fumble strip, uh, which flipped that game. They've got to have a moment again like that in this game against Michigan. 
Well, and you know the the crazy part about it is that Michigan doesn't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. No, they, they don't I, commit a lot. They've one turnover on the season. They don't commit a lot of penalties, and you know they just execute at a really really high level. And so that's going to be the key. Can Nebraska's defense make those game changing types of plays where the momentum is shifted, uh, or field position is shifted uh, by against a Michigan offense that you know is about as fundamentally sound as there is in the Big Ten. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk Nebraska's trip to Ireland. I was joined in studio by John Anthony of Anthony Travel and Dana Finch of Tourism Ireland. As we get you ready for that trip in 2022 and a lot of things to hit on as they were in town to promote that. We'll hear more from them next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I do live in South Bend, Indiana, and so I was in the stadium in 2000 for the famous Sea of Red, and I've never forgotten it. And so now to be able to uh, capitalize on that uh, for Ireland, we want that whole Sea of Red to to take over Dublin and the country of Ireland um, like you did South Bend, Indiana. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as we've talked about the last few weeks, we're really, really excited uh, to be one of the partners in, in Nebraska's game in Dublin, Ireland next year. And coincidentally, they're playing Northwestern. Northwestern's in town. And this week, we wanted to bring in some special guests to help talk more about this game as we're getting to the point where it's time to start getting this trip planned. If you want to go to Dublin, Ireland, um, time is ticking. And we've brought some of the, the key people in the Husker Line studio here in Lincoln. Uh, John Anthony, the founder and CEO of Anthony Travel, also the game organizer. And then Dana Welch, the vice president of marketing for tourism. Ireland is here uh, joining us in studio. Guys, it's great to have you here in Lincoln. Welcome to Nebraska. Um, John, I know you guys have put a lot of work in uh, getting to this point. I'm sure you're excited to, to meet a lot of Husker fans. We are, Sean, but it's so great to be here we're talking to Sean Callahan. We feel like we are, you know, we ought to be in Dublin doing this. So let's just hit redo on this thing uh, next year this time. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a lot of friends in Ireland, I think, when I get I'm so excited. I mean, obviously, I'm so excited to get out there. And, and Dana, I mean, you, you work with Ireland. I mean, to tell just give us a sneak pre- peek of what we're getting into here. Perfect. Well, how long is this show? How long do you have? There's so much to <laughs> We'll give you the whole hour. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks, John. Yeah, we're so excited to be here and can't wait to have all of the fans come over for the game. There's so much to see and do. Um, the, you know, the list is really long, but uh, depending on what they're into, you know, if you want to spend the afternoon in a cozy pub after the game, visit one of the distilleries, get out to the Wild Atlantic Way and go surfing, you name it, uh, we have it available. And John, you put this game together years ago. I mean, you've been in the travel industry um, for many, many years, and you've been working closely with college football teams and you understand fan bases kind of what went into this idea of saying let's stage a football game in Dublin Ireland (laughs) well we we arrived in it almost by accident the first time this was set up as a game in Ireland Uh, Notre Dame and Navy played 1996 and we serviced uh, the fan bases going and got over there and it was just such an eye-opener and wow um, this could be so extraordinary it wasn't experience for the participants, the benefits of the universities, and all the fans going. So then we we've just from there tried to build it out to where it can be a uh, an annual event and on the Irish calendar and kick off the American college football season. And Dana, you, you talk to people obviously on the ground floor. I mean, what 
what is the reaction in Ireland when thousands, tens of thousands of American football fans come into Dublin for these games? It's got to be just crazy. I mean, I, I just envision Nebraska fans when we go on the road, they take over these towns, they take yeah. over the bars, and I'm like, what are they going to say when they see all these people taking over Dublin Square wearing yeah. red everywhere? Yeah, they're so excited. You know, in Ireland, we have a wonderful saying, Cade Mila Falcha, which is 100,000 welcomes, and it rings true every time. Irish people are so excited to have Americans coming, visiting, staying, and, and visiting all around the island. Sean, being in the travel industry, I'm fortunate to be in a lot of countries, but there's nowhere in the world that Americans are embraced like they are in Ireland. And so, like for you personally, you you sit down. If anybody from America walks goes to Ireland, the number one thing they have to do is just go sit in a pub. And in the smaller the town, the village, the better, because everybody is so friendly, and they will speak speak with you. And you and you want to sit down not with four people you walked in at at a private table for four. You just want to sit down anywhere you can where an Irish person will sit down next to you, and they will get in a, in a store with you. You may be invited back to their house, but I'm telling you personally, you say your name is Sean Callahan, they will tell you all the people that you're related to. They'll want to take you to the, oh, yeah. to meet all your cousins, your cousins, and they will all be back over here the following year to join you in the pub here. Well, who was the gentleman a couple of years ago that you brought with you from Ireland? Uh, that was Poor Cocaine. He's our organizer, partner in, in Ireland. And when I told him my name, he just looked at me, Sean Callahan? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he asked me, that's what he did. He goes, where are you from? And do you know where you're from? Do you know your history? And I should know more of this stuff, and I'm excited to go out there as we're talking here with John Anthony, um, the game organizer and founder and CEO of Anthony Travel, and Dana, Dana Welch from uh, Marketing and Tourism in, in Ireland. Um, you know, guys, it's getting time to start booking these trips for Husker fans. And, you know, I've been talking to Nebraska fans at all my events about why it's important to get this going. There are only so many hotel rooms in Ireland. There are only so many rounds of golf that you can book that week in Ireland. There are so many visits that you can get into the Jameson place and um, and, and the spots that you want to go. How important is it, John, you're a seasoned vet that's been over there many times. How important is it to kind of get these spots secured if you're a fan wanting to go out there for a trip like this? Yeah, you want to, you want the best experience possible. And it's there's only, as you said, there's limited inventory anywhere. Um, it's not unlike coming here to Lincoln for a game. You know, you may have, uh, what's the exact seat count every day? About 86,000 now. Okay. There's 86,000 seats, but how many hotel rooms are there here? And if, you know, if you've got a really big game here and all the, and you were coming from out of town and you have to stay in Omaha, is that as good of an experience if you stayed in Lincoln? Or if you have to stay even further away and now all of a sudden you're in Council Bluffs or something, it's it's not dissimilar in Ireland. We've got a, a fantastic stadium partner. It's within walking distance of city center, but that doesn't mean it's within walking distance if you had to stay 45 minutes outside of city center. So the best hotel rooms, the best seats in the stadium. You mentioned tee times. Absolutely. Golf course inventory next year is really tough in Ireland because so many people had trips planned in 2020 and in 2021 and couldn't go because of COVID, and they've all rolled them back. Nobody wants to cancel, so those have all been rolled back. So golf course availability next year uh, is tougher than ever. And it's just true really across the whole spectrum there. And Dana, and the website is huskers2ireland.com. You know, when someone's looking at all these packages that you guys are offering, um, what, what is the best way to look at it? I mean, say a family of four or four friends or whatever looking, like how do you decide what is the best package for a group of people um, that's going to really make the most out of this trip? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you'd want to you want to make sure that you have enough time to stay on, right? So go for the game and have that full experience, and then stay on. We'd recommend you know at least a week. You want to travel around. You could do it in less, but you you won't see everything. We want to have a chance to see as much as possible. And we talk about golf. You know, we are um, we have one third of the world's links courses, over four hundred courses on the island. So it's a great opportunity to play some of those championship courses and get out there. Um, lots of opportunities for different ways that you want to stay. Whether you want to stay in that castle accommodation or you want to do you know, a private cottage to yourself on the West Coast, um, lots of different ways to, to do it and to experience that. And Dana makes a great point when she says about come for the game, but stay, stay for other. The, in all the games we've done, and it's true with this game so far as well, the number one selling program that we offer is eight nights, three cities. So people get to Dublin for the game, but they go over before and get out into the countryside. They get to the West, the North, Northwest. Ireland's the most gorgeous landscape of anywhere in the world. And so doing the, you know, as I said, number one selling, three cities, eight nights. Number two selling is two cities, six nights. So those who only go to Dublin, great. We still want you to go. You'll have a great time. You'll, you'll always remember it and treasure it. But the more time, it's like anything else. The more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. Yeah, Dana explained that Dublin is such a great city, but there's so much more to Ireland than Dublin. There's so much to see and do. So Dublin, absolutely fantastic city. You definitely want to, to see that, and you will as part of the game. But getting up, say, to Northern Ireland and getting up to the Giant's Causeway, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, or doing a walk across the, um, there. You can check out to the Gobbins, which is a cliff path walk along the edge of the Irish Sea. So much to see and do with it all, over, all across the island. What's the weather like in August? It's great. You know, there is, um, you know, as we say in Ireland, if you don't like the weather, just wait 10 minutes, it will change. <laughs> um, it does rain, you know, time to time, but that just keeps it lush and green. I had, uh, I'll never forget a, a bus driver on there once said, don't worry about that. That's just liquid sunshine. It just keeps it uh, nice and green, which it does. Um, and it is beautiful at that time of year. It'll be great. If you were to recommend, like, what are two or three things that every Nebraska fan should try to do when they're in Ireland? If, if you're like, these are my two, three bucket list things as you're planning this trip, these are the things that you should try to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as John said, you know, getting into a pub, meeting the locals, right? They want to chat to you. They will become, like, your best friend. <laughs> um, they are just so friendly and and warm and welcoming. So getting into a pub and experiencing live music. Um, I think there's so many wonderful pubs in Dublin, but also across the island and experiencing the live music. Um, I would say getting up to uh, getting up to Northern Ireland, um, seeing the Giants Causeway, doing one of the cliff path walks, something along there is, is wonderful. And then um, also just getting out to the coast. You could go out to a place like Dingle. Um, they have a, a cooking school. You can go out and catch your own fish, come back, cook it with them, and uh, meet the locals and have an activity along the way. And finally here, as we wrap it up with Dana Welch and John Anthony for Nebraska's August 27th game in 2020. 22 against Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. You know, traveling, as we know, guys, is, is, is a lot different right now than it was, um, you know, a year or two ago. But Ireland is is one of the safest places to go. Everyone's had their COVID issues around the world, but Ireland has, has really become a, a fairly safe place to visit right now. It is actually. So we have over 92% of uh, adults are vaccinated in Ireland, which is a really high percentage among the top in Europe. And actually this week, uh, Bloomberg just announced um, Ireland as the number one ranked in terms of COVID resilience. So Ireland has done uh, really well and continues to to do that. If you think of 92%, that's a really high number. And it's a great opportunity, you know, to book with experts such as Anthony Travel, who will take care of, you know, the, the guidelines and make sure that the trip helps to, to run smoothly. Um, so it's a great opportunity to work with an expert like Anthony travel during uh, during this time for travel as well. And John, there's two legs to the, the the booking here. You book the packages, the hotel rooms, the activities, but also with Aer Lingus 
and the airlines, um, you know, right now is also when it, it's, it's about that time to start looking at your, at your flights as well, correct? Yeah, when we were talking earlier about inventory that won't be there, the airline seat now enters into that equation. So the airline seats just come uh, come for sale basically now. And so that's another part that, uh, you know, the best seats, the flights you want, there's there's finite amount of inventory. So you want it, you want to move quick. And Aer Lingus, I mean, to get that full Irish experience, my, yeah. my aunt actually works and does trips to Ireland for people here out of Iowa. And she said, you got to fly Aer Lingus to get that full Irish experience. Tell everyone why. It's yeah, important. you want the Irish experience to begin when, when you get on the plane, not when you land in Ireland. And so that's Aer Lingus brings, brings Ireland to you. As soon as you step on the plane, you feel like you're in Ireland. It's the music, it's the the air hostess, it's the full experience. It's wonderful. Well, guys, I am so excited to be working with you um, to promote this game. I think it's going to be a wonderful experience for Nebraska fans, the players, the coaches, everybody involved. We appreciate you guys stopping up here and and taking some time. Thanks for having us, Sean. It's going to be a great, very, very long-term memory uh, for all the Husker fans, so we hope you'll join us. Sounds good. We can't wait to welcome the fans. And once again, the website is Huskers2Ireland.com. That's Huskers, the number two, Ireland.com. You can find all the information about the different travel packages. Anthony Travel and their team are on top of all that. Make sure you check it out. Much more to come here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to John Anthony and the crew from uh, Ireland as uh, getting us ready for that trip in 2022 as Nebraska will play Northwestern. But now it's time to focus on Michigan as Nebraska will host the Michigan Wolverines, the second trip ever the Wolverines have made to Lincoln since the Big Red have joined the Big Ten. To get more perspective on Michigan, pleased to bring in a longtime friend and colleague of mine, Chris Ballas, of the Wolverine Magazine and TheWolverine.com. He's the senior editor. Chris, it's great to have you on. I'm looking forward to finally getting a chance to see you in Lincoln. It's almost been 10 years, my friend. Yeah, and it seems like yesterday, man. Time, the years go faster, don't they, as we get older? But <laughs> I remember that first trip well, and, uh, you know, didn't turn out the way Michigan fans had hoped, and Denard Robinson, that quarterback, going down. But the environment was great. Our first taste of Lincoln, man, in Nebraska. What a great fan base, and what a great trip. Already one of our favorites on the beat. Yeah, you look at this Michigan team, they're 5-0, and um, very impressive win against Wisconsin, uh, kind of a grinded-out win over Rutgers, um, a nice win against Washington. You know, if this team wasn't 5-0 and right now, what would the level of disappointment be? Because you get the sense they were, you know, on paper, better right now than all those teams. Yeah, that's the thing, going into the season. And you never know with the preseason prognostications, what's right and what's not. We thought Washington would be better than they are. We thought Wisconsin would be much better than we are. We had Most of us had this one penciled in as a loss, almost an ink, and we thought well, Washington was kind of a 50-50 game. But a couple of things, this Michigan team is tougher and better than we thought it was going to be. Much more together after last year's disaster, which uh, you know a lot of people point to COVID and say, hey, man, it wasn't really a season, whatever. Well, everybody was playing under the same conditions. Michigan didn't respond well, but have really come back. They're playing tougher in the trenches, and that's where it started. Last year, Wisconsin ran for 343 yards on this team in Ann Arbor. This year, I think they ran for about 43, so uh, much better up front. But Wisconsin's not who we thought they were going to be, and in my opinion, this test coming up on Saturday night is probably the biggest one they faced two, for two reasons. Number one, the environment. Wisconsin fans, as you know, are late arriving for those 11 a.m. games, and that stadium was never really into the game like Nebraska fans are. And at night, I think that's going to be incredible. They really haven't faced 
a running quarterback like Adrian Martinez. Noah Vedrell from from um, Rutgers is you know he's okay. He's not Martinez, and Jim Harbaugh actually mentioned that today, Michigan's head coach at his press conference. So, and uh, and they're playing good football. They're getting better each week. That defensive line. I watched that game against Michigan State. They should have won that game. I don't think there's any question about it. So, in my opinion, this is the test. And if Michigan get, gets by, by this one, then we say, okay, this team might be for real and might be one to watch when it comes to competing for a Big Ten title. Yeah, you look at this team, and what really jumps out to me are the, the the edge guys on defense. Aiden Hutchinson right now, the top overall draft prospect in the Big Ten right now, top ten level pick. I mean, what has he done for this defense? And, I mean, I'm sure it's a luxury where they can pretty much bring four most of the time and get to quarterbacks. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, he has lost a lot of weight. They actually put him an outside linebacker, and, and a lot of people were questioning the the position switch, and he's been outstanding in that role, not just as a pass rusher, but in holding the edge and in stopping the run on the edge. Uh, that's where he's really been been good, uh, and he's really he's one of the best pass rushers we've seen here in a long time, and they've had some good ones. Josh Uche, second-round pick a couple of years ago, now with New England. So uh, he's been outstanding in that role, and as a leader. His dad played here in the early 90s, was an All-American defensive lineman. He took it upon himself to change the culture, and he's done that and uh, fly into the ball, but it's part of a defense that's really fast. You talked about how fast Nebraska looked against against uh, Northwestern when we were talking, and Michigan's the same way against Wisconsin, against some of the other teams on the schedule this year. They really get to the ball well, So, but he's been the catalyst, and really they've got three guys. They've got him, they've got Josh Ross in the middle, who's playing his best football. Uh, Jim Harbaugh talked about him today. I think he's a first-team All-Big Ten guy, and then an All-American candidate in Daxton Hill on the back end that they're using in a number of situations too. He knocked, uh, he knocked uh, the quarterback out. I can't even remember his name from Wisconsin. Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz. Yeah, exactly. He knocked him out of the game early in the second half with a blitz and um, picked off a pass. So they've got three NFL caliber guys, high picks in my opinion on that defense and they've built around them, but playing really well together under new coordinator, Mike McDonald. So that's really been the key. I think they're about eighth or ninth in the country in scoring defense. They're going to give up some yards, but they've really stiffened in the red zone, and that's been a key this year. We're talking with Chris Ballas of TheWolverine.com. He's the senior editor as the Wolverines get ready to come to Michigan for another primetime game. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh because I, I think you know the, the honeymoon was definitely over in Ann Arbor, but he's been able to kind of <laughs> – Get the marriage back on track, and I mean, did did you see this in him? Because it it did, it just had the feeling. I mean, with the contract that he was given, it was probably one of the worst contracts that we've ever seen in Power Five. You know, it just didn't sense that there was the long term stability with Harbaugh. But now it, it has that feel again. Yeah, it does, and he seems like the old Jim Harbaugh, and that's what the fan base points to. He used to call himself the Jackhammer, and and really make these funny quips at pressers that, you know, raise your eyebrows and make people really out, laugh out loud. And uh, and he's back to being that guy that seems confident and more involved. It seemed like to, to me that he had delegated too much the last few years. It seemed like he had some outside things that were on his plate that really, really affected his job performance. I don't think there's any other way to say it. So, But he seems to be back and invested now, has done a really good job with that offense. They really wanted to get back to a power ground game, and they've done that. Even though they're shotgun and and they've got a kid that can sling it a little bit in Cade McNamara. They wanted to be able to push people around, and that's what they've been doing. To be able to, to run for 112 yards against Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team that was only giving up 23 on the ground, was kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, you look at 112 yards and you say, well, that's nothing. And Harbaugh said, no, that was quite an accomplishment against that group. And, again, that's something you're going to have to see them do on Saturday night to be successful. But, to me, it really starts with uh, his commitment to – 
turning this thing around and being more invested. Like I said, he'd really delegated a lot with his coordinators, Josh Gaddis, changed coordinators from Don Brown to Mike McDonald, who's been fantastic and uh, and has really been more hands-on with the offense. So I think it started, they got their toughness back. You can tell this group has great chemistry, and he's really much more involved and seems like the guy that they hired in 2015 that everybody thought they were going to get. What's your biggest concern in this matchup? If you were to kind of look at Michigan's weaknesses through five games, I mean, is there a weakness that you're worried about going into this game? Yeah, I think that's a great question. There, there are two things. Like I said before, they really haven't faced a, a quarterback, a running quarterback like Martinez, and uh, we saw what he did against Michigan State. We've seen what he's done uh, a lot uh, to a lot of teams, and um, Vedral had some success on the ground. Now, Josh Ross was out. He had a stinger with his shoulder, and that really played a part, but that read option, that's something that they haven't really faced, and, and the running quarterback who can move, and what happens if Martinez gets out of the pocket. I think that's going to be a big question mark. Uh, the passing game isn't proven. It looked better last week. They hadn't thrown more than 15 times in a game all year. I think they threw about 30 against Wisconsin, knowing that they weren't going to be able to run the ball. So, But that's not proven. They lost their top receiver in Ronnie Bell. They've got some good young players in there. Roman Wilson, a freshman, came in and played really well. Cornelius Johnson had a couple of touchdown catches. But these guys sometimes have a hard time getting separation. So... Are they going to be able to do that if they can't run the ball? Are they going to be able to throw? And the communication, again, is something that's going to be huge. It wasn't a problem against Wisconsin, again, because that crowd was never really in the game. I know that's going to be not going to be the case on Saturday night. So, to me, this is really the biggest test of the year so far. I said before the season started, I said, I don't care what you've heard about Nebraska or what you think. I even said it after the first loss to Illinois. I said this is a game that's going to be a toss-up, and it's going to be probably as tough as any on the schedule to that point. And I think it's played out that way, man. I really do, and uh, really excited to see how it plays out on Saturday. Well, and if Michigan gets out of Lincoln with the win, you got to really look at that schedule. Like, you know what? They can beat Michigan State right now. Um, from what I mean, Michigan State is—I I don't want to say a paper tiger, but they're—they're they're not where they're ranked. I mean, and then you got Penn State, and I—I I, I think they're a quality team. But Michigan could—I mean, theoretically, be undefeated going to that Ohio State game at the end of the year. Isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> and it's like, you, I remember talking to you and you saying, you know, this is really this Nebraska team's like a 5-1 and one team, and I agree with you 100%. This team is better than they've played and better than their record indicates. And But we never would have pr- predicted that before the year, and part of it was because the culture had gotten so rotten. Last year, uh, guys didn't like each other. There were things going on in the locker room, and, uh, and that's what people don't really understand is that chemistry and culture is so huge. You look at programs like Nebraska and Michigan and – and that's part of the reason for their success. That's what people don't get. It's not just about the players. It's about the culture. And that was something that they lost. But they got it back. And you can see that the guys are playing for the, for the name on the jersey on the front rather than the back now. I know it's cliche, but it's a fact that these guys really care about, the, about each other. And, uh, and it makes a huge difference. So uh, this is still a team that's not as talented as the, the most talented teams Jim Harbaugh has had, though. They've got to play really well together. There are some pieces. The corners, for example, are just okay. That's an area that can be exploited. Another one, you asked about that earlier. I think that's an area that you need to watch. Um, and there are some pieces on, on offense. Like I mentioned, the receivers are, are good, not great. So uh, they have to play really well together. They can't turn the ball over. If they do, they will lose. But as of right now, they're doing everything right together, and uh, there's not a game on the schedule that they can't win. I'm not sure about Ohio State. They're playing good football, and they've got great players. Obviously, you know they'll get better by the end of the year, but I agree with you. There's a, a great opportunity here for Michigan 
looking at that schedule if they get back Saturday night to go into that game uh, potentially undefeated, maybe with one loss at the most. Well, Chris, I'm looking forward to seeing you in Lincoln on Saturday. I hope you find a good steak and a couple whiskeys on Friday night. You know I will, man. I appreciate you having me, brother. All right. Make sure you log on to Husker Online and you can subscribe to our podcast on the Husker Online podcast channel on anywhere you can download podcasts. Log on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have complete coverage of Nebraska versus Michigan on Saturday night. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.